Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. I used to, before I became part of church life, before uh, I went on staff at the first church, I was uh, a contractor. My dad was had been a builder his whole life. That's all I've known was growing up where my dad did the work or his crews did the work and my mom did the, the bookkeeping. And so there were people in and out of our house all the time and there were things being built. And it was really a great experience. You meet some really interesting people in construction. And I tell you that, your vocabulary gets expanded. I, I, it's a whole different, uh, you know, linguistic challenge. And, and, uh, and so, in and out, and eventually, uh, my brother and I, we took the business, and, and, uh, and we were doing a job not far from here, uh, maybe 30 blocks from here, down the street, and uh, we had hired a, a guy, a foreman for one of our crews, uh, his name was Bill, he's just a, a great guy, he was a little bit short, he's stocky, and had this big handlebar mustache with this great grin and these eyes that looked like he was up to no good, but he was having a lot of fun. You ever seen those guys? Like, uh, it looked a little scary, but at the same time, you wanted to hang out with him, that kind of guy. And, uh, and so I came up on the job, and we were, they were putting in the subflooring and all, and I, I was... I would hire my surfer friends when they didn't have jobs to, on the construction crew. And so I had hired this one friend, and Bill walks over to me when I get there. And Bill says, uh, you sent this guy to me, right? I said, yeah. And he says, I want you to watch him. So he, he had his hammer out, and he was working, and he was doing this. That's how he was nailing. It sounded like a woodpecker. And he was like nailing his nails like this. And Bill says, you want me to teach him a lesson? I said, yeah, teach him how to use the hammer. So Bill goes over, says, hey, grip your hammer, hand it out here. Bill marked it, took it over to the skill saw, and cut the whole end off. (laughs) Then he handed it back to him. He says, you didn't need that anyway. And you know what that looks like hanging on the side of a tool belt? Because, you know, construction workers like, you like the big heavy hammers, you know, and, you, and here was my friend with this little. And, you know, he was working himself way too hard, right? Way too hard because the rest of the hammer here was where he really could have got the work done and saved himself a lot of sweat. I find that many of us, as far as Christians, the way we live our lives is we get excited, and I am about the Holy, Spirit, the, the Word of God and teaching the Word, and we make that central to everything we do. But there's another element involved in our Christian life that if we don't take advantage of it, and if we don't lean into it, we can work ourselves way too hard in life. And that is, there is this, it's a personality, it's the presence of God, it is the Holy Spirit. And many times, I don't know what your tradition is, if you are a Christian, you know, you were taught a tradition about the Holy Spirit one way or the other, whatever you're in. But sometimes we will give allegiance or just a shout out to the Holy Spirit, but that's pretty much it. 
We're like, well, the Holy Spirit, you know, he comes when I become a Christian. He's the one that does the work inside of me and he changes me. But we don't realize the leverage and the power that is available in him to our own lives. And so many times, even after we become a Christ follower, we go back to working just as hard as we can. Not even realizing the help that God has placed at our disposal in the Holy Spirit who lives within us. And so we're starting a new series this morning. I'm calling it Signs of Life. I have did a series not long ago on the Holy Spirit a year or two ago. And I used the same title because I think it's true. That if you want to see God at work in his people and on the earth, it's through the Holy Spirit. And so what we're going to do is look at the book of Acts for the next four weeks. We're going to work through, not the whole, we could never cover the whole book of Acts in four weeks, the whole uh, 28 chapters. But we're going to look at the Holy Spirit Uh, as he directed the church and worked through the people in the book of Acts to see how we can submit our lives to how he works and try to learn something uh, about the Holy Spirit and his operation in the church. So if you you have a handout, if you flip it over on the back side, there's a fill-in back there. And you know, this whole thing started when we move into the book of Acts. It started with Jesus saying goodbye to his disciples. He's there with them. He's spent some time, a month or so with them, uh, teaching them and and hanging out with them. And now he's about to go back to the Father. And he tells them in Acts 1, he says, you guys should stay here and wait until the Holy Spirit comes. Go to your room. That's the way I think about it. Y'all, go to your room. Don't come out, all right, until the Holy Spirit comes. And there was a reason for that. They were going to need the Holy Spirit in their lives for what he was calling them to. And we do too. And Jesus said this, though. Here's something we we miss many times in Acts 1 and the second verse. It says, until the day he was taken up, speaking of Jesus, into heaven, after giving, this is Jesus, giving much instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. We miss many times the fact that what Jesus did While he was on the earth, he did through the Holy Spirit. See, he's 100% God, 100% human. I know these are mysteries. But while he worked on the earth, instead of leaning in or he's God, doing it that way, he submitted himself as a human being to the Holy Spirit. So all the works that we see Jesus doing, he did through the works of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're a Christian... You've got the same Holy Spirit in you. Same one. You know, there's not a dip. We've said this before, you know, like Billy Graham doesn't have this giant Holy Spirit. And then you've got this little teeny. You know, I've got the Holy Spirit, but mine is like so small. No, no, no. You know, it's the same Holy Spirit in you that was in Jesus Christ himself, if you're a believer. And we don't realize that. And if we don't lean into that, we sell ourselves so short and we cost ourselves so much pain and so much that we really don't have to go through. And so even Jesus himself is the example of what he did while he was on the earth. He did through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to launch that way. Let's pray and uh, we'll jump into this. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. Thank you for the worship, God, singing to you and I pray this wonderful mystery, uh, this mystery that we throw our arms around. And uh, Lord, we love you. We ask for your presence to come. Holy Spirit, uh, 
we want you to, I know you're here, but we read in the book of Acts how you fell upon people. You came upon them. You filled them, Lord. And Lord, we desire that you make yourself known today as well. And so Holy Spirit, come. Come in Jesus' name. Amen. When you talk about the Holy Spirit, people, you know, you can get a little bit, uh, some people can get a little bit kind of stranged out with things. But I find it encouraging that if you look at any movie, if you look at anything around us that's popular, it always has, seems to have some kind of supernatural element to it. Have you noticed that? Human beings seem to have this kind of innate hunger for something that transcends what we see. So we watch movies about it. We read about other people who maybe have experienced something. But it's like we have a desire deep within us to know that there is something beyond this. There's something right, right on the other side that we can't quite get our hands around, but we can't quite explain. But we know there's more. We know there's something else. And I think that's, I think the movies kind of prophesied that, that to us. I admit, I watched, we ended Stranger Things 2 last night. And, uh, you know, it was, yeah, whoop, whoop. It was, it was awesome. And now we're working our way through the, all the, you know, the actors as they're interviewed and stuff. But I, I'm just amazed every time I see something because I know that deep inside humanity is a thirst is a hunger to know there's something more. So for us as believers, the Holy Spirit has come and you read the book of Acts and you see all manner of things. Now, how does the Holy Spirit act as a guide, as a guide in our lives? That's for today. And so uh, over in Acts 8, we set this up. Acts 8, there is a time of persecution. There is, you wouldn't think you'd say, well, at a time of persecution, what good can go on? But a lot of good things can go on when things are tough. And so in Jerusalem, the apostles are being attacked. The new believers are being attacked. They're being persecuted. And so they're scattered. The new believers scatter out of Jerusalem. They move into Samaria. They move into the different parts of the surrounding region. But the apostles, the leaders, they stay right there in Jerusalem because that's where it started. So they were going to lead from that place. But some of the others just spread out. And Philip was one of these guys. Now, one of the ways the Holy Spirit guides us one of the ways he helps us is he gives us, this is your first feeling, direction. He gives us direction. <laughs> after, the disciple, after the believers and new believers are scattered, there's a guy named Philip who is uh, just moving through the area. This is the same guy, by the way, in the book of Acts who said he had four daughters who prophesied, who were prophets. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine having four girls who prophesy? <laughs> I mean, you walk in the house, Dad. Dad, God gave me a word for you today. You know, so not again, you know. I mean, this is Philip. This is the father of those four girls who prophesy. So Philip's out sharing, and God's using him mightily. He's preaching. He's casting out demons from people who are harassed. And he's sharing Jesus. People are coming to know Christ. And we notice this in Acts 8 as uh, he is preaching along. It says this, The Spirit told Philip, go to the chariot. Now, right before this, before he even speaks to him about going and standing by the chariot, it says, on his way, like he was on his way doing something. Have you ever been on your way doing something and God interrupted? But we miss those times a lot. 
we just keep on going. We got our plan and God wants to tell us to go over here for a minute. Give us some direction. What he did with Philip, he said, go over by the chariot that you see. So this direction that, that Philip had was uh, he's out ministering and there's this, this Ethiopian royalty of a man. He's in this chariot. He was wealthy. He was over the queen's finances. He ran the show back in Ethiopia with her and he is in that area and God speaks to him through the Holy Spirit and he says, go hang out over there. Do you hear God say that to you sometimes? Have you ever been in a place where someone suddenly it seems like you see them and you feel like God is saying, you need to go encourage that person. You need to go over and and just smile or greet them or sometimes when you go over and talk to them God begins to give you an insight into what's going on we saw a a picture of this and we heard a testimony last Sunday didn't we at uh, student takeover those of you who are here our middle school and teenagers took over the whole service and we heard this wonderful testimony from uh, Seckle Ortiz and I want you to hear it again Seckle Seckle has been um, discovering a really fun gift the Lord's given him, and he's been using it in his school with his peers. And so he's going to share a little bit about that gift and then a story um, of how he's used that. Uh, So uh, I love to talk. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Like, uh, I'll go home, and uh, I'll just talk to everyone about whatever. So my mom calls me filibuster. (laughs) So uh, I feel like uh, wherever I go, I have like this connection to like everyone and I can like kind of feel what they're feeling. Like I'll look at someone and I have like something like pulling me towards them. Like they're down one day or something and I can feel what they're feeling I'll go up to them and I'll ask them what's up and and, uh, usually I'll see that they're not opening up to anyone else and so I'll pull them aside and I'll ask them what's going on and they'll open up and uh, it's just like crazy like what some people are going through and you'll look at people and you'll ask them what they're going through and it's way different than what you would expect like some things that come out of people are just like crazy so uh like some people like I've heard uh just like family issues and uh what else uh someone like uh, they're telling me that they feel like uh, they don't have a place because they don't have a lot of friends and they just go home and they're cutting themselves and uh someone else I know uh he was in class and he was looking pretty sad, and everyone, uh, the teacher asked him if he was okay, and the, he was like, yeah, uh, and I was like, no, he's not, <laughs> so, Second uh, nose. after, after class, instead of going to break, I pulled him outside, and I was like, hey, you want to tell me what's going on, and he was like, yeah, sure, so, uh, he was telling me that his brother recently committed suicide, and then, uh, his parents, uh, like, ever since, like, his parents have always been different and they're always angry at everyone and so he told me like uh right before he came to school like his parents were screaming at him and stuff telling him that uh they didn't love him and all this stuff and he was just really sad and I was telling him about Jesus and uh his eyes just like lit up and I 
just told him everything that I could, and uh, he was just like, you know, tears are coming out of his eyes. He hugged me, and it was just the greatest thing ever. Yeah. Wow. See the adventure, the adventure of life of saying, okay, Lord, how do you want me? What do you want me to say? Making yourself available. Philip here in Acts 8 did just that. He got kind of an unction from God to go, go over there and hang out. So he moves over to the chariot, and here's this guy, and he's reading the book of Isaiah. And the passage that he's reading out, the fact that he could read shows he was very educated. He's reading that, and it's the passage about, the, about Jesus, the Messiah. So he keeps reading, and Philip is like, no wonder the Holy Spirit put him there, right? So Philip's like, You've done that. You've eavesdropped. I know you have. I know you have. Next time you do it, you need to say, Lord, is this just me? Or are you trying to place me over here in order to maybe be a representative? And so Philip heard him reading, and he goes, hey, heard you reading Isaiah. Do you understand it? Then the guy goes, how can I? Nobody will explain it to me. So, wow. I mean, no wonder the Holy Spirit told him to go and hang out. And you know what I find interesting is he said, go hang out near. He didn't say just bust in on him, jump in on him. He said, go hang out near. And as Philip heard him reading, Philip began to know what God was up to. He's like, oh, I get it. He's reading the passages in the Old Testament about Messiah. So he jumps up in the chariot. He explains what the passages are about. It's about Jesus and this Ethiopian eunuch comes to know Christ. And then later on, you know, he's taken in for a cruise on his chariot. And the Ethiopian eunuch goes, hey, aren't you supposed to be baptized when you become a Christian? <laughs> and Philip said, yeah. And he said, there's some water. How about baptize me? You see that all from the point of Philip hearing the Holy Spirit say, go hang out there. If we're praying and we're listening, one of the guides... One of the things that God's going to do with you, and he wants to do even more so, is he's going to have you go hang out in some places with people who need to know Jesus. Or maybe even just need to know that God loves them. That you're there, just like Seckel was sharing there, that he just... You ever had anybody when somebody says, how are you doing? And, and you just, you know, you, I'm doing great, how are you? And then the other person comes back and goes, no, really, how are you? That's kind of a thing we do in the vineyard now, pastors do. If you say, I'm doing great, they go, really? <laughs> Are you really? And it's a real gift sometimes to have somebody ask you that, especially when you know the Holy Spirit has moved you in that vicinity. Because if you know you're moving in the right location, you're moving in the right direction, now your ears, your, your, your ears are open and you're starting to listen for clues of the kingdom, of what is God doing in this person's life, in this person's life, and how do I, how do I help? How do I be a, you know, a help to this? How do I show them the love of God? And so one of the ways the Holy Spirit comes is through direction. And, you know, it's not just direction, uh, as wonderful as this is in sharing Jesus with others, but it's also direction in your life. The Lord, if you'll slow down a little bit and you will quit doing life this way, Right? Because we live like this. This is how we live. When there's so much more for us 
to relax and to lean into. If we will relax enough in the situations where we need direction, you might be surprised how many times the Holy Spirit will speak to you. I know that uh, back uh, when I was working uh, uh, in construction and all, I had a situation where uh, this, the group I was a part of was not going the right direction, and I was worried about it because I knew there was some mishandling of funds, and I knew there was stuff going on, but I had a part, you know, I owned a piece of it, and I was like, I couldn't get it to change. I didn't have enough influence to get it to change, but I had a, three little kids. I had to take care of them. I didn't have, that was my sole income, and I remember going out into, uh, there was like 150 acres of land out in Socastee, and one of uh, one of the partners owned, and we were going to develop it. And so we had it surveyed. And I told Karen, I said, I'm going out there, and I'm going to pray. And I'm, gonna, I'm not coming out until God tells me what to do. I mean, I got my family. I got to take care of them. I don't know what to do here. And and so I went out. It was hot. Man, it was so hot. And it was like July, sticky in the swamps. And I'm walking these survey lines, mosquitoes. And it's the middle of the day. And uh, I would stop at every one of the stakes that they put, the surveyors put down, and I'd grab it, and I'd grab hold of it, and I'd just, Jesus, please, I need to know what to do. And I'd wait, and I didn't hear anything. So I'd walk on down the line, and I'd grab the next stake, and I'd say, Lord, please, help me. I did this for about an hour and a half, and I was getting a little bit like, okay, if I don't hear anything, I'm going to keep what I'm doing. I'm going to see it through. But all of a sudden, it's this voice that, you know, no, it's not out of the heavens. I wish it was like that. But it was this knowing kind of voice deep within that says simply this, go back and get out. And I went, and next? <laughs> I got three little kids, you know, and next? And there was nothing next. You no, know, it's just, okay, typical God doesn't tell you the whole picture. You know, so I go back, get out, and almost one year, this is no lie, one year to the day, that company went bankrupt. And I got out where I didn't get sucked in and down into that whole abyss because the Lord wanted to, I really believe, protect my family. And uh, it, was, it was hard goings for a while. You know, I had to take care of my family, but God was there. So if we keep rushing through life all the time and we don't slow down enough, to ask God, what is it you have for us? Give me some direction. We're just going to work ourselves into a whole lot of trouble. And the Holy Spirit is given to, to put us in proximity with others that need to hear about Jesus. But there are many of you in here who could stand up here and tell you time and time again when the Holy Spirit has warned you and given you direction and said, hey, do this, don't do that, do this. He is there. He's the comforter. He's the one who comes alongside. And this is part of what we see in the book of Acts. Your second, your second feeling is this. The Holy Spirit as guide comes for protection, to protect us at times, to warn us, just like he did me in that time. It was direction, go and get out. But it was also protection for me and my family. It was, he was warning me. Over in Acts 16, verses 6 and 7, Paul is now a fervent Christian, and he is out preaching. And it says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia, Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word. Wow. In the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. 
Did you know that good things can be done at the wrong time? Preaching the gospel is a good thing, right? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. That was the word from Jesus. And yet here's Paul about to go into this one region and the Holy Spirit stops him and says, Whoa, not the time. Not the time. Stop. So he comes around another way. And it says, the Spirit of Jesus said, whoa, not the time. To protect him, to protect what was going on. And there are times in our lives where, again, we just keep going, don't we? Wind us up and let us go. We just keep going through life and going through life. And whatever hits us, we press on through it. We never go back and pull back long enough to say, all right, Holy Spirit, I really need to know this next step. Some of you in the room this morning, you're sitting at a point where you need to make a decision on something big. And you've been working through it all on your own. And this might be one of those times when you need to ask the Holy Spirit, you have all wisdom. What should I do, Holy Spirit? How should I move? Do you ask God about things before you commit to them? Do you say, Lord, is this what you want for me right now? Is this the direction? Is this the job? Is this the project? Is this the hire? Is this, do you ask the Lord for that? Do you ask him? Let's not take the Holy Spirit for granted. Let's just not think, well, I'm all on my own now. I got my soul right. I've gotten my soul right with God. And so I'm just going to go live my life the best I can with You know, it's how I can. God has not left you only to your own wisdom. He has invested in you his very presence to guide you, to direct you. Does he always speak in every situation? You have to use your own wisdom, of course, as part of us growing up and being mature individuals. But there are times where if we will slow down enough, God will tell us, go this way, go that way, or don't do that. Even if it's a good thing, don't do that right now. The time will come, but don't do that right now. Don't do it. And so the Holy Spirit here is as guide, as guide to direct us, to protect us. And your last one is this. And also, we know this too, it doesn't always go well, right? Even when you do obey God. Have you found that out? Have you found out that sometimes God allows you to step into things and you get into them and you go, did you really lead me here? Right? And your third one is God guides us through conviction. Direction, protection, conviction. Because there are times when the only thing that holds you where you are is the conviction that you know God has brought you there. God has led you there and it may be painful It may seem like it's not advantageous to your life, to anything, but you know you obeyed God and you're there. And the thing that will keep you during that period of time is the conviction that God is with you and that he has led you. In Acts 20, verses 22 through 25, here's how Paul... See, Paul, we just read how God stopped Paul from going into one area, right? But listen what happens later on in Acts 20, 22 through 25. And now compelled by the Spirit... Right? I am going to Jerusalem not, know, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race 
and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now I know that none of you, none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. There are times when God does call you to walk out things and he's there. And some of you are walking out things right now in your life. And you're like, you might not really hope God's here. Well, he is. Some of you have made decisions that have cost you, but you knew they were godly decisions and they were the right decision, but they cost you. It's that deep conviction that God is with you that will carry you through that. The thing about this passage of scripture that is really interesting is that the church itself was mourning Paul doing it, going there. They didn't want him to go, even though Paul had this sense of, I've got to go. They knew it was going to cost him. And a prophet from the church came in and tied his hands with the belt and said, Paul, this is what they're going to do to you. They're going to tie you up and they're going to take you where you don't want to go. But Paul said, I am compelled by the Holy Spirit to go. It's that conviction that keeps us, that will hold us in that place where we may be paying a price at this moment in this time. But we know we're there with God and God has us in that moment. It's the conviction. And the Holy Spirit brings that compelled by the Holy Spirit. Moved by the Holy Spirit. Maybe when everyone around you goes, don't do it. But you feel the Holy Spirit moving. Pushing you that direction. This is the life of a Christian we're talking about. That we've started here on the four week journey. This is the life that we get to lead. If we will just let God Come and give us what he has to lead us. But you know what? It never happens if we don't slow down. If we don't slow down in our lives and ask him to speak to us and to lead us, then we assume everything we do was the will of God. We do. We we want to play catch up, don't we? Or like, I, I made this decision now, Lord, cover it. I've done it. I think this is right. Cover it, Lord. Instead of taking a, a 30 minutes, an hour, getting alone and going, all right, Jesus, you promised you'd speak to me. You promised you'd help me. Will you speak? And he's promised he would. And he will. That is the life of a Christ follower. God has not left us alone with our own devices, with our own energy, with our own strength. But he has given us himself, the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit. To give us direction. To at times give us protection. And to give us conviction. Let's pray. Father thank you for your word this morning. First of all Lord. I pray if there's anyone here who has not welcomed you into their life. That you, Holy Spirit, who brings conviction, just give us conviction, but you bring conviction to us to lead us to yourself, that there would be a response to that conviction this morning. So I would, I would ask you, if you haven't done that intentionally, if you have not responded to God's wooing and calling of your life, do it today. Do it now. Do it quickly. Do it right now, and he will come and send his presence to live in you. 
He will come and he will abide with you and he will be with you for all time's sake. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. And he will bring his power in the Holy Spirit to your life to be with you. But Father, right now, those hearts here, Lord, that you have convicted, would you flood in in this moment? Lord, and overwhelm with your grace and your mercy, Lord. Come. And I'd like to ask this. How many of you need some direction this morning? You, you need some direction. You're like, Lord, I really need to know. I, I, I need to know whether you're trying to protect me or if you're trying to lead me. I need to know. Well, let's just let's offer that up to the Lord now. Whatever, there was a lot of hands up here. Let's, let's, let's give it to him right now. Let's ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you come and speak? Would you come and speak to those of us who need direction right now? And I want to ask you, as you're praying, as the Holy Spirit's doing this, if you sense the Lord speaking to you, would you just let me know? Maybe raise your hand say, I, I, yes, 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 thank you. Come, Holy Spirit, speak to all who need to hear you this morning. Come, come, Lord. Come, Jesus. Thank you, Father. And Lord, there's some of us in here who are walking through some very tough times. Our faith may be challenged in where we are, Lord. And we do need that conviction, that sense that you are with us right now. So if you're, if you're in that spot and we go through these times, we do. We run through these times of doubt. We run through these times of we're not sure what God is doing if you're running through one of those times right now and you would like for God to make himself known to you in that conviction, would you raise your hand? And I want to pray for that too. Yes, Lord. Do you see our hands, Father? Would you come, Holy Spirit, right now? Make yourself known. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, come, dwell. Spirit of Jesus, holy presence, comforter, counselor, one who comes alongside us, one who will never leave us nor forsake us, the one who will teach us all things, the one who is in us, not just around us and also falls on us as a covering, as a presence so we can know you are here. Come, Lord. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.